I'd like to welcome y'all to Secrets from the South. I'm your friend, Scotty Ray, along with my co-host, Terry. Now, you'll quickly catch on that we don't sound like the man on the 6 o'clock news. We talk a little slower, and we've got a southern drawl. But nonetheless, we've got a great podcast lined up just for you. We'll bring you some interesting stories. They're sometimes crazy and a little unbelievable. But it would be just plain impolite not to share them. So get yourself comfortable. Find some southern charm in a glass of iced tea and enjoy. Well, if you found yourself in a store over the last 8 to 10 months, you've noticed something. The stuff that you normally get isn't on the shelf. What happened? Well, we found out that so many products aren't made in America anymore. So what do you do? Well, it's the latest craze. I'm a prepper. You're a prepper. Wouldn't you like to be a prepper too? Welcome to this week's episode called I'm a Prepper. So, Scotty, I went to the store the other day, and I'm doing my normal shopping, picking up the things that I have to have. And one of the things that I'm always looking for are cleaning supplies. Oh, yeah. It's a common thing. And it amazes me that we're 11 months into this COVID-19 pandemic, and I still can't get certain things. And they have no way of telling you when it will be available is what's even worse. And I think, honestly, if it is available, if you don't hit it at the right time, people come in and they just take it all. You know, sometimes you come into a store and you'll see a big sign that says limit of four or five or whatever else. And that got me to thinking that you remember years ago, you would hear about people that we refer to as preppers. Well, you know, and the the first time I probably ever saw that on TV, thinking back on this, was Reba McIntyre. Do you remember the shit, the movie Tremors? Yeah. They were preppers. You know, they were gung-ho, her and her husband on that show. And you know, may not be such a bad idea, huh? Well, I, I think for a long time they've gotten a bad rap because you would hear people, I mean, I've had them in my walks of life, and I know that you have, that you run across somebody, you know, very sane mind, but they truly are believing that they need to prep, and that can be anything from, obviously, toilet paper, you know, is a hot commodity, but water, dry beans, things so, that will last a long time. You know anybody that collects lint? Lint? Yeah. No. From the dryer, they put it in a Ziploc bag and put it up in case they ever need to start a fire. It, it makes a great fire, and they keep it in a I Ziploc never, bag. I've never I thought about that. Several people who do that. Now, they're not kooky, but I didn't know that until I was helping them move something, and a bunch of it fell out, and I said, what are you doing with that? And that's what they were doing. Yeah. Well, I think it's an interesting topic because there have been books out. There have been shows that have been out for a long period of time. I remember it's probably been, God, almost 10 years now. I read a book called One Second After, and it's by William R. Forschen. And I may have that wrong, but anyway, it's that's the pronunciations, you know, for my southern way of saying it. But And it's about an EMP. And an EMP is electromagnetic pulse. And what that does is it knocks out the electrical grid. So everything, think about everything. This sort of goes back to what you brought up a few weeks ago in another episode that we had about the cars. Exactly. It's it's the same premise. It would kill them. It would kill them. And so we're so dependent on everything, your phone, your car, your stove, unless it's, you know, if it's not gas, there's so many things that we depend on. And Lord knows it brings us so many conveniences. But it got me to thinking, 
what would happen if we had something like that happen? And that's kind of the premise of the book, One Second After. And it is really a hard read because it is really painting. It's a painting, a picture of what would you do to survive? It's interesting that you read it. It's kind of scary. You kind of think, okay, well, you know, do I need to be collecting dry beans and that sort of thing? You can't go into a Sam's or a Costco and they don't have something now. It's becoming more common. Now you throw in the pandemic that we find ourselves in and now preppers are out there and are increasing in numbers on daily. Now, going back to what we said, in case you missed that episode about cars, you would have to own a vehicle prior to 1986 that doesn't have a modern computer to where if they hit the, what was it called? The P what now? It's an EMP. If, EMP. It, if it knocked out the electrical grid that we all depend on in every country. So out behind the shed, out behind the barn, it wouldn't hurt to have some old clunker that you could get around it. I got one that uh, I laughed about when I bought it, but the green one, yeah, my green machine that I've got hit that eighty one. Hey, but Chevrolet it cranks truck. up every time you want to go yeah. somewhere. It's ugly, but it'll get you somewhere. <laughs> but I mean, it gets you to thinking that this number of preppers that we have that we had ten years ago is increasing by millions. Because if they weren't thinking it, they're thinking it now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's all walks of life. And I guess it depends upon where you live. Do you own your own home as to how much stuff that you can hoard? I don't know if hoard is the word. Stockpile? Is that yeah, a stockpile. Yeah. It, you know, if you live in an apartment, you have to use um, a two-bedroom place, storage underneath your bed. You can build little shelves underneath your bed to put stuff closets better organized you got people that are putting them in like you said either in sheds or attics or something like that but and and the little pills that you can buy that will what do you use you put them in water like if you were to collect water in a stream it oh and it, it purifies the water. the water and makes it drinkable if and, i remember right you have to take clorox in a certain way that you have to heat it to to purify water on your own okay now when you look on the web i just found it interesting i just did a, a search and I know for these other podcasts that I've omitted, I'm, I'm just, this is probably just the tip of the iceberg, but you have podcasts now that are dedicated yes. to prepping. And you've got one called Survivalist Prepper, the Prepper Broadcasting Network, Canadian Prepper Podcast, In the Rabbit Hole. I mean, those are four of probably, I don't know, a hundred that may exist out there. Think about what you said about uh, if they sent out this code that, that killed. If you were to do without your phone, the electricity grid was killed. Most Americans have gotten really, really soft now. And I am i don't think I'm stretching it when I go there, that this country, for the most part, couldn't function without it. And it would be very few that could hold their head and realize, okay, I need to get a candle. I need to use gas to cook on. To survive because you couldn't communicate. You wouldn't know what was going on uh, in the own county that you live in. It's interesting that you say that because I heard something. They were saying by 2030 that there's going to be a skill shortage. We're already saying that today. And we have really, we, I say, in the United States have primarily become a service-based organization. I mean, industry as a whole. Manufacturing has been going overseas. Yeah, and we, we saw that in the presidential elections. That was brought up of we can't build anything. Medicine, people were doing without medicine. Why? Because we didn't here anymore. Yeah, we didn't make it. And America better wake up on all of that. Well, just the N95 mask. 
you know, people are stockpiling those when they get a hold of them because we don't make them at the time. We didn't make and we didn't make them in or we didn't make them in large enough supplies to be able to accommodate our growing population. But it's bigger than that. I think when you talk about the skill shortage, there are a lot of smart, intelligent people that are out there. But when it comes to being able to grow their own food, when it comes to if I had to go hunt, I could kill an animal for, you know, meat. If it was I knew how to build something, I knew how to whatever for survival. I just don't I, I wonder the percentage of that would how, make it. yeah that would make it well and let me put this in perspective and i think the only thing that's ever happened in my life that really relates to this uh, when we had a huge hurricane a few years ago 10 years ago back then i was on the radio it hit there was no power for about three weeks and, and, and look how far inland we were right and my voice was the only thing that made it inland all the way to the coast because there was nothing else on we were running off of uh diesel fuel on a generator to keep the radio station going. And so there was no interference anywhere. And so my voice went from here to the coast, and that's a long way. And we got caught, would you, what many calls because people didn't have landlines, they didn't have phones. Gosh, uh, when something came in and you'd mention it on the radio, it would be out within 20 minutes if somebody got gas somewhere or just the essentials during that was just so strong that you didn't have anything. Money, you could have all the money in the world, but it wouldn't buy you anything. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And that's what happened during that. You know, and you would think that if anything good comes out of this current pandemic that we find ourselves in, it would be we better be better than what we are today. We better really rely on skills i think about what we're doing with our young kids you know what's the one thing that we promote college 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 we don't do enough of sending them to technical schools and i mean we're getting better at that well mike rowe does a big speech on that and uh, about the technical side of things he said you know they're just as important there's people that make six figures doing this it's not something looked down upon. And I think for many years it was looked at that way, you know, and that's just not the case. And you are absolutely right. I remember being in a thing for our state and got asked to attend it. And it was amazing that the whole thing was promoting to have a skill set and this assumption that you couldn't make good money doing it. I mean, they make great money. In a lot of cases, you got somebody, a kid that's going up there, you're spending what, Seventy-five hundred thousand dollars to get a college education. They come out and they're going to be making, and I'm not knocking it. They're going to be making a salary that is a third of what they could make if they had a skill. Right. Do you remember the show that Mike Rowe did, uh, the Dirty Jobs? Yeah. He made a statement about that. He goes, "You don't think much about it." He goes, "Almost every one of them." He said, "I probably put it at ninety percent. I think that was the figure." Mike said that they were millionaires that they had started their own business. And, yeah, they were in slop and all, but they made good money at what they did. There's nothing to be ashamed of doing that. No, and I think that the good thing that comes out of this is I'm not a doomsday person, but I do think that if you don't do a SWOT analysis, if you don't go back and say, okay, what can we learn from this pandemic? You know, as a country, as, as a state, as a family or whatever, it's that don't assume 
somebody's going to take care of you. We just, That's right. I think what we're finding out is we don't have the infrastructure to take care of everybody. You've got to be self-reliant. And these people that think that somebody's going to take care of them, of me is just kind of, um, it's not smart thinking. So we talk about a little bit about how we could be self-reliant. And so we talked about, you know, maybe we need to take dry beans and store them and we need to be better skilled at it. There are a lot of people out there. They don't know how to do things with their hands. When I said we're a service organization, think about how many of us have somebody that comes and cuts our grass, trims our trees, uh, does those things because honestly, we don't have the time to do them. And it's just, we think of it as it's money well spent because I can spend more time when I'm with my family, when I'm home. But that's not my forte. I'm doing something on the computer. I'm doing, I'm providing a service, but it's not utilizing my hands like you used to in the 1940s or, you know, below that. Yeah, you wouldn't eat. Now, because of that, it makes you wonder, back to my original point, how many people could grow their own food? I bet it's very few. Uh, So many people don't do it. And now what a lot of people don't realize what has happened out there. Uh, So you go to the co-op and you go, hey, I want some peas to plant. We go plant them, and used to in the old days, you know, our grandparents, they'd take a few seeds, save them, they'd replant them the next year. Well, the seeds that you're buying now are called GMOs, which it does not reproduce. Really? Yeah, it's it's good for one time. And they've done that, and that's what they're selling. Now, if you want the good stuff, it's called heirloom. And you better get you some of those, freeze them somewhere, hide them, because that's the only way you can make, because there's not going to be a co-op. Should the the thing hit the fan, as they always word it? I saw something on 60 Minutes, and it's about this storage of nothing, and it's top secret, nothing but seeds. I mean, think about the importance of that. I mean, go back to our original conversation of where you go into a store or even a grocery store. What's the saying of how long you're going to have something on a shelf in a grocery store? Now, are you referring to how long could that store make it without? Yeah, exactly. Three days, isn't it? Three days. You think about how many people utilize one grocery store in particular. Right. I mean, we're looking at it from a pandemic right now. I still can't get the things that I need. Now, I remember when it first happened, I remember coming back, telling my husband I couldn't even find sugar. And there were a list of, you know, grocery items that people couldn't get a hold of. Just common things you take for granted. And so if a grocery store, on average, is only equipped to handle a three-day supply, that would quickly run out. Now, let me add to this, because, you know, things just kind of happen. And I know this because I was a kid, and I grew up in the South deer hunting. And you used to go out, and there'd be soybean fields, there'd be this, and you'd hunt. You look around now, there's a bunch of pine trees. Do you know why? Why? The government paid farmers, and this is what's bad, not to plant crops anymore and to plant trees. And that's where shifted all of us buying food from other countries came. America, just like not being able to do this, we don't have enough farmers anymore because the government has paid them not to farm. Think well, about and that. not only that. CRP that, programs, it, I think is what they call Yeah, and, and that's kind of bizarre in itself where we're paying them not to farm. But those few that are left, how many times do you see it on TV? They are just barely surviving. Yeah. And at some point, they just say, the heck with it. Powerhouse of farmers we used to be. And the legacy. How many do you think that 
farmers that are out there that are telling their kids, this is what I've left you as a legacy. You know, it used to be generation after generation after generation were farmers. Right. Well, you probably don't see that anymore. Well, you know, now they teach, well, you take a farmer who has a thousand acres of land or maybe 1,500 or 2,000, they pass it on to their son and their son. You know, now they teach in school, well, that's wrong to have that much land. Uh, He shouldn't have that. There's just so many things our society has changed on. Let me take a little twist into this and get your thoughts on this, Terry. Okay. All right, we've seen over the past year, uh, you take uh, Baltimore, these big cities, had all these riots to where people went in, they burned things, they got mad, they burned buildings, they burned cars. Okay, trucks couldn't get in to deliver food. Communities didn't have anything. Let's say this escalates, and they start to where they're not getting food in town, and they go, huh, I ain't got anything. I'm coming to your house to take it. Do you realize how many people couldn't protect themselves against that, that just don't know how? What do you do? You know, there's a, when you mention the word prepping, you know, they always say get you some form of protection, whether that's a gun. A stick. A stick. Some way to protect yourself. Kind of like walking dead. Yeah, yeah walking dead. Because, you know, I mean, trading will be, should the... the yeah, money, like you said, won't mean anything right. if you don't have, you can't spend it on anything. You know, a gun is worth nothing unless you have ammunition. I remember back in the summer going in, and of course, I think most, well, maybe not. I was going to say everybody's got guns. They don't. But I looked at a um, a case of 1,000 rounds of shells, and it was $400. I thought, oh, boy, that's a little high. That was, I remember a few years ago, that was like $250. Uh, I'm not going to buy that today. Do you know how much that same box is to this moment? No. About $1,300. Uh-uh. Yeah. So had I used my brain and went and borrowed $20,000 and bought that and then resold it, I'd be sitting pretty right now. But things like that you don't think of, but you got to protect yourself. And probably the most overlooked, you know, everybody says, go get you an AR-15. Well, an AR-15 is great. You can shoot a few times, but the probably the most, if you're out there going, well, I need some type of gun, do not overlook the twenty two rifle. The twenty two rifle, you can you can hunt with it. It'll hold several shells. You can shoot a lot, and it's not expensive. Uh, a Ruger 1022, perfect for protection and to feed yourself if you had to. So you think I need to go get a 22? I would. That's because of the ammunition stockpile it. Well, so we talk about you're either you either have those survival skills, you're either recognizing that you don't, and you need to kind of hone in those skills, or you're just kind of saying, you know, I'm gonna wing it, and I'm gonna hope that we don't have something like this again. I think there are a lot of people that kind of woke up when we had this pandemic. I mean, I know I did. I mean, who would have ever thought we'd be 11 months into this? I mean, thank goodness for the vaccine. But I think it's been a wake-up call for us to really make sure that we are prepared in case something like this happens again. And they've said this probably won't be the only time that we encounter a pandemic of some sort. So you either rely on others to take care of you. Or you decide that maybe we've got to be smarter and put some things in place or kind of hone some skills of, yeah, I could grow some tomatoes and I could do some cucumber, whatever it is. But this kind of leads into something else. There's a whole thing going on that you watch on TV. I don't know to what degree on HGTV where you've seen the show called Living Off the Grid. Yeah, like the mountain men. Yeah, but it's. Show after show after show where you've got somebody that's building a house in Alaska yeah, or somewhere like that, and they're living off the grid. So they're using solar power. 
or they've got, you know, whatever. But there is no electricity coming to them. And it makes you wonder, is it just because they're trying to decompress and they want a simpler life and they've lived in the city, the metropolitan areas and the hustle and bustle of the stress of their jobs and just the commuting and whatever it is. And they want something simpler for themselves or for their family. But I mean, they're in extreme remote locations. Right. Or so, do they know something we don't know? Yeah, but I mean, you're starting to see a, maybe it's always been that way and we've just not televised it, but you're starting to see a shift where people are looking at that and saying, this is what I want, like I said, for myself and my family. And you're starting to see more and more and more of that. So it does beg the question of why? Now, I've seen this, and tell me if you agree with it. Uh, a lot of people who prep, or let's just say that it were to, to the, it hit the fan and things change tomorrow. I've read a bunch about to where you need to have a network to where people in your neighborhood, you you have a group of five to ten people that y'all all work together to grow things, to protect each other, know who your people are, who you could turn to. And in the case of something were to go wrong, you work together to do better. What's your thoughts there? I, I just think that's smart. It's like having a insurance policy. It's something that you pay for. You hope you never need to use well, you it. Know, you, but you, if you needed it, you had it. Like, you know, one person could be good at hunting. One person could be good at farming, of growing the green thumb. And you just work off each other's skills to accomplish the same thing. And, you know, we talk about this and you go look at that movie, which is such a success. And that's all it really was, was a prep show was The Walking Dead. The whole show was about the survival. Oh, absolutely. The interesting thing about that was some of them, and of course this is TV, some of them like didn't know anything about survival. I mean, you would have thought, okay, they're going to be eaten up in a minute. But over time, they turn out to be a bad A dollar sign, dollar sign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rick was just like it on a stick. Yeah, and I think Carol was Carol. Oh, look at the yeah, flowers. Uh, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> she definitely ends up being something like that. So it does make you think that if you're not thinking about that, and I'm not saying, and I don't think either one of us are saying, hey, we're preppers, because I'm not. No, I keep a few things, but I wouldn't be near enough to the good if I needed to do something. I just think that it's been a huge, we're seeing a huge shift or a huge wake-up call from this pandemic has caused us to look at things a little bit differently. You know, I even know people that, you think about that, if everything were to stop tomorrow, no food came in to where people have taken satellite images and they've looked up where food sources are stored, just distribution centers. Really? They've got it marked by satellite where they would go to get food. And, of course, you know, it'd be a big fight at that. You think about that. Know your surroundings where you satellite. Know what's near you. Well, how many people do you think that something like this would occur and you ask people to stand in a line orderly and you're going to get your rations? How, how long do you think that would last? Would not. It's chaos. It would be. It would be chaotic. So I don't know. It makes you kind of question if the, uh, the people that are living off the grid and the people that are, I think the people that were known as preppers, uh, are getting a better rap today because yeah. of this thing. It's kind of making, it's it's opened up our eyes to the possibilities and is this something that we ought to be taking note of? I was reading right here in front of me here. Per person, it says that water, 
you need to store a gallon a day per person. If things were to, to go off the grid, you'd need per person need that per day. And think about how hard that would be to come up with if you didn't have your own well. No way of electricity, you know, if you're on city water and that's turned off. What happens? That's why I said I think it would be chaotic. And I think, like you said, eventually you would have to be in a spot where you could defend what you had because the have-nots want what the haves have. And you would be good on this part here. I was reading this list of things you already get. So you can't get fuel anymore. Well, your car is no good after the fuel runs out. A mountain bike, they say. Keep one of those kind of handy in case you needed to go somewhere because you can travel a little higher rate. Hey, of speed. we got three of those. So you're good. Keep a firearm, a shotgun, or something like that to where you could get food and protect yourself. Know your neighbors. Exercise a lot because it says, do you realize that it says the average person, and this is somebody that's in good shape, say that you're going to work, your car breaks down in the midst of all of this, and you can't get home. About 17 miles a day is all you could travel on foot. A normal person and they say carry you a bag in your car that's got a little bit of some type of food in it some water and comfortable you... shoes yeah well yeah you ain't going nowhere in high heels what they call that they had that snowstorm in atlanta and it was a couple of years ago they were talking about people were stuck trying to get home from work they lived, you know they worked in downtown atlanta they lived on the suburbs and it took them hours and hours and hours because they had to abandon their cars yeah. and you had women that were in heels trying to walk in this snow it don't work it wouldn't work for me. It goes on further to say your phone, your internet would be down. So print you some maps to where you know where things were. If you had to travel, go ahead and print you out some. Have you a little book at home uh, with maps of the state highways of where it would go to where you know what you had to go to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, some other things of don't tell everybody that you're a prepper. Think about that. Say you've got 60 cases of uh, water. And you tell 10 people, well, they're going to be at your house that next morning going, hey, I, I know you got it. I and then they one. can get ugly. Yeah. You know, your friends that you've known forever that you say, oh, they would never act that way. People will do crazy things in desperate times. Correct. Uh, have a little cash on hand because you're not going to be able to go to the bank. No. The ATMs will not work. You know, with this, it's not going to be summertime the entire time. Wintertime comes and you're cold. You know, firewood. Think about that. And you don't just cut enough firewood to make it a day or so you would have to have some stuff piled up to keep warm that's just you know throwing that out there yeah and that's things that you Clothes. don't think about the one thing that i always think about is the separation of my family how would i ever get in touch with them so that we could make a plan to be together you, you see what i'm saying yeah. if you're separated whether that be 10 miles 100 miles or whatever else and that's your immediate family your natural instinct is you want to make a phone call or you want to make some plan where we can have a meeting place. Yeah. Well, if you don't do that ahead of time, they're on their own. It's like you're on a, your own. Have a tornado plan. Know where, when it turns bad, know what you're going to do. It doesn't hurt at all to do that. Yeah, so it does make you think next time you go in the grocery store and you see those empty shelves, are you making a plan? You might better. Now, before you go thinking those two are complete idiots, Think back over the last eight months. Did you try to buy a freezer, a refrigerator? Yeah, they didn't have any. Did you need a part for your tractor? Yeah, they weren't available either. Now, we're not saying drain your bank account. We're just saying be prepared and protect your family. It never hurts to plan ahead. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and will continue to listen more. We promise to provide stories that intrigue you, provide a little humor, reflect our heritage and culture, whether it's strange and alarming. 
please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Let us know whether you liked or disliked. Do you have a story to share? If so, we'd like to hear from you. Please email us at comments at secretsfromthesouth.com and provide a brief description of your story along with contact information and we'll be in touch. Until next time, well, you know a secret? Well, you know what the old term means, better safe than sorry. Sorry.